Hello, and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Ellen. And my name is Anna. And in today's episode, we are discussing the second book of The Fellowship of the Ring and reflecting on the end of season two. Season two! Can you believe it? I can. I am in belief that we have made it this far only because I feel like we've covered so much of this book. And actually, I was thinking back, did you have a favorite moment or a favorite chapter from not just this this season, but the whole first book, so volume one and volume two, that really Mm -hmm. stuck out to you? That's a good question, and one I was admittedly unprepared to answer. So I didn't write it down. I just was I was thinking of cuff. my favorite bit. Mm-hmm. Would you like to hear? I would love to hear. Was, and this makes me sound kind of bloodthirsty, but actually, mm-hmm. I think the the part that sticks out in my memory most is Gandalf's battle with the Balrog and then his mm-hmm. subsequent fall. And we hear the drums the whole time, the toom 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 toom. And I think that's mm-hmm. my favorite part from from this whole first volume one and volume two. I will say that came to mind in part because I think it's both the most theatrical mm-hmm. and also it's the source of so many well-known quotes so i think it it lives in the minds of a lot of people who both read the book and also see the movie because it plays out so in such a parallel fashion to what's written in the book so that definitely comes to mind for sure yeah as far as a, a moment that sticks out to me i think the interactions in loth lorian mm, are particularly mm-hmm. notable because the pace change is so well we talked about it at length in in both chapters i think that we really talked about this but it's just such a different feeling and i think it's almost like a fugue state at the beginning where yeah. you know we're navigating grief with the company and trying to figure out who we are in lieu of having our our unofficial but definitely favored leader of the Mm -hmm. fellowship. So I think um, those feel the most memorable to me. And I think those are also the ones that are least portrayed in the movie. Like we get a little bit of it, but there's so much more world building that happens in the books that that felt like a really special piece of these of this book, too, for sure. Because we just get a little bit less of it in the movie version. That's true. Yeah, they skip over. They skip over a little bit and kind of just do the the mirror of Galadriel and Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. I will say too, I love every moment at the Prancing Pony. Ah, uh, so yes. those are my other favorite moments. Like especially mm-hmm. when we first meet Aragorn, I think that's just such an interesting addition to to our company. Okay, so now that we've sort of previewed our favorite parts from this whole first book, we did say that we would do a wrap-up of just this past season. So everything that has happened in season two, volume two of this book, ten words or less, what happened? Would you like to go first? I would love to go first. Great. Lay, lay it on us. Okay. Leaving Rivendell, nine companions encounter weather, loss, 
elves ultimately disbanding. Ooh. Wow, yours is much better than mine. <laughs> well, I really had to try and salvage what I had presented in at the end of book one, where mm-hmm. it truly just described the entire Lord of the Rings series and pretty unspecifically book one. So I really came for it this time. Yeah, you really got from the first to the end and also talking about everything that happened in Moria and the mountains as weather is an understatement and i love it i'm like yes that does that does actually encompass that that part right right (laughs) what do you have okay nine journeyed one fell and in the end they split Ooh, Mm -hmm. i think that describes the major components of book two for sure yeah and i was i felt like i was going a little bit vague like if you had said this riddle to somebody and then was like tell me what book this is they'd be like hmm i don't know nine journeyed one fell so you're talking to like a kingly dwarf (laughs) when you're asking this question yes i am because i thought about doing nine journeyed gandalf fell and in the end they split but there was something i thought nice about the the numerical the nine journeyed Mm -hmm. one fell I think that does help if you were to riddle this to someone mm-hmm. in, much as a sphinx would in some sort of ultimate maze. I mm-hmm. do think that the nine really helps narrow what it could be as right. far as stories go because there's such an emphasis placed on the nine at the beginning of book two. Yes. They really build up the team and we, you know, we support it. That's why we're here. The community of this this company. Okay, so we've done our speed wrap-up. Everybody now understands mm-hmm. exactly what has happened over the past of course. 10 to 12 chapters. Weather. Uh, yes, we- weather and falling. How did they fall? <laughs> did they trip on the ice? Nobody knows. Should have brought, brought some micro spikes. Mm-hmm. Um, those crampons. Those crampons mm-hmm. really give you some traction when it's slippery out there. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> Uh, so in our last season one wrap up, we did a rapid fire fellowship building and in the spirit of continuing to build our community, I thought we could repeat that now that we have more characters from which to choose. Mm -hmm. How does that sound to you? That sounds great. Honestly, this is one of my favorite parts of our wrap ups um, because the questions are so delightfully off key with like the rest of the book <laughs> that I just love picking like mm, put put these characters into your modern day existence yes. mm-hmm. what does this look like is so delightful yes and we have so many more people to choose from now before it was kind mm-hmm. of just like the hobbits Aragorn and Gandalf and now we have right. almost endless selections from which to choose for sure so kicking us off we asked this one last time but both of us love to travel and you can travel with more than one person so for our first rapid fire fellowship building from the characters we've met so far who would you choose as your travel partner and why i'm gonna say bill the pony oh because he can carry stuff because he can carry stuff he's very earnest i'm gonna go with bill the pony that's a great one. I think I'm going to stick with Sam. I did Sam mm-hmm. last time. And I just, even with all of the new people that we've met, I think I will enjoy spending the most of my time with Sam. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not willing to branch out. He would be the best to travel with. I think that's fair. 
did we establish last time that we cannot select duplicates? No repeats. So once, yeah. Okay. They are all right. You cannot pick Bill for any of your subsequent questions at this point. Okay, fair enough. It's hard because he's a great guy, but mm-hmm. great little pony. Great little pony, Billiam. Mm-hmm. Okay, from the characters we've met so far, who would you choose as your therapist? I feel like Gandalf mm. is on the table oh, yeah? for that. Just because he is both wise and also kind of pushy. So mm. I feel like there mm-hmm. wouldn't be a lot of, let's wallow in your feelings and like not move forward and not really process them, but mm-hmm. just to kind of sit there. I feel like he would really push on that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Gandalf. I love that for you. Thank you. I would choose Legolas. Mm. Um, I think he is a great listener. And Mm -hmm. we would probably spend a lot of time, like, walking around the trees and processing out of doors. And he's probably into, like, equine therapy or whatever with horses. (laughs) So I would would 100% uh, choose Legolas. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm with you. This is great. We're building such a wonderful community for ourselves here. We are indeed. Okay, from the characters we've met so far, who would you choose as your best friend? Okay, I have to pick Sam here. Oh, great choice. Because he's just fabulous. He's what everybody needs. He's like a little bit of hype man, definitely a caregiver. He's tactically very sound mm-hmm. as far mm-hmm. as the journey we're on together. I just think he encompasses all of the things that I'm looking for in a best friend. Right. And you? I would pick Galadriel. Mm. And we would like braid each other's long hair and have <laughs> girlfriends sleepovers in her tree houses. And we would never mm-hmm. age because she's got like the ring and i'm assuming that if i lived in lothlorien it would like rub off on me and Mm -hmm. um, i imagine she eats really well because she's like a queen kind of so we would like feast and yeah be basically be a power couple yeah i love that i would usurp celeborn and it would just be me and galadriel ruling the (laughs) galadrim to be fair though he feels easily usurped it's like i'm not quite sure what he brings to the table other than a little bit of a lack of tact and and or diplomacy right so like he can sit in that second chair but i'm gonna be the one on her right hand like whispering in her ear like no we don't like him okay well that uh knowing what comes up in the next couple of books (laughs) calls a couple of images that aren't flattering but i know um, I love it in the the realm of Lothlorien and for the Galadrian. Yeah, we're just gonna be we're gonna be BFFs. Okay, last one mm-hmm. of the the group we've met so far. Who would you choose as your personal trainer? In this regard, I'd have to say likely Legolas. Mm, mm-hmm. Strikes me as very fit. Yes, very light on his feet. Lots of cardio, and in my life right now, that's definitely what's needed. Mm-hmm. But I think if I can usurp the rules just a skosh, I would say that him and Gimli together mm, yes. would be a good strength and cardio conditioning, respectively. They certainly would. And for you, your personal trainer? Oh, I would choose Gimli, 100%. Yeah. I think he'd be really motivating. We would probably do like axe throwing together mm-hmm. or like chop some wood. 
and throw rocks and mm-hmm. that's what I need. I have like minus three upper body strength <laughs> and I think he could really help. He could help me rectify that. And that's what I need in my life. For sure. Great. So we have a robust life ahead of us with these four characters or in your case five characters a little bit cheating going on for our community so i feel good about it Mm -hmm. i feel good about this as well actually would would prefer maybe a little bit (laughs) to exist in that space yes if anyone out there is sort of like gimli and looking for (laughs) someone with noodle arms to personally train Mm -hmm. and like would do the accent send us a dm So for our next segment, we were each going to bring a discussion question Mm -hmm. for us to talk through and sort of dive into the text that we've read in a a bit of a deeper way. Mm -hmm. Did you want to start with with your question? Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about the evolution from book one to book two in The Fellowship of the Ring. And I think notably, right, Frodo as one or perhaps our main protagonist is an interesting lens to consider community through. So my question is, in what ways has Frodo changed over book two and follow up? How do you think that has impacted his sense of community? Mm, That's a great question. Thank you. So we start with Frodo waking up in Rivendell and feeling probably the most at peace as he does for the through this entire second book Mm -hmm. and then we end with him deciding to go to Mordor alone with Sam Mm -hmm. throughout that arc he has certainly become less foolish and has like a much greater understanding of his burden Mm -hmm. even In Rivendell, he knew that this was not just, like, a fun adventure where we're going to go off like Bilbo did and, you know, come back with multi-generational wealth. Mm -hmm. But I think now, even just from the beginning of this book to where he is now, that that understanding of the burden of what he has is is so much greater. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think the way I would characterize it is... a a maturing but I don't Mm. know if that's a fair characterization because to me maturing is so synonymous with age and maybe we need to separate those two things a bit but there's definitely a a grounding um a, a burdensome weight that he carries and I think the chapters progressively illuminate that for us and I think we see Frodo definitely a far cry from sort of the the silliness and the the lightheartedness that we initially experienced in the Shire Mm -hmm. yeah he was pretty mature at the beginning for his circumstance like of the hobbits Frodo was mature and he understood the constructs and the responsibilities of that life I don't know if there's a word for loss of naivete, but it's like now he's mature in the sense of the whole world. Like he's more worldly and understands that there are bigger, much, much bigger problems than what he encountered in the Shire. Going into your second question there, that that has probably made him cherish his relationships more than what he did earlier, especially now that he sees one of his greater losses we know that he doesn't have his parents but losing Gandalf I'm sure has made him appreciate his his relationships that he has even that much more I agree 
the evolution of his maybe gravitas is is mm, not quite the right word. But I love it. But that there is, you know, in his change of context, there is also a deepening of his understanding of the greater world, mm-hmm. right? So he's sort of been thrust into this framework where to not pay attention to the larger picture is to fail in his mission. And so it's kind of a life or death circumstance where he has to consider the fate of the world almost in every decision he makes. Mm -hmm. And that becomes increasingly apparent throughout the journey. I'd also say that I feel like his community at the beginning of the book is really one of proximity. Mm -hmm. I think we see Frodo very much separated from the larger community. Like he seems still kind of distant from the core of the Shire. Mm Mm-hmm. And what I think is interesting is that over the course of the book, Frodo has much more authentic relationships with these folks who are not like him, Mm -hmm. but who share a much more value-based or a a much more goal-oriented relationship to him. And so his characterization of who his community is or who even his family is, I think, does change and look different than it would have had he remained in the Shire. Yeah, I agree with that. He's definitely met a much wider swath of people than he would have had he stayed. And I think he feels a tighter connection to them. He feels a tighter connection to those people for the experiences that they have and in the context that they have them, as opposed to this much more peripheral or superficial relationship he has with those in the Shire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like, um, I can't say this because I haven't done it. It's like when you go to space with somebody. Oh, (laughs) You know, as one does. I don't know why that was the first thing that popped in. Probably because I watched the Netflix documentary about the first civilian crew to to go to space and how bonded Mm. they became. They're like, we're like family now. Mm -hmm. Frodo went to space with these people. (laughs) Right, because it is something extreme. It Mm -hmm. is something harrowing. That you accomplish as a group. That you accomplish as a group. So I think that's a relevant analogy, even if we can't say it from a first-person experience. It's true. I have um, never been to space. Fun fact. Fun fact Neither about... Of us have ever been to space. Fun fact about about us. Couldn't... Really couldn't be bribed <laughs> to go there also, just so we're clear. Have no interest in going to space. I think I would do it. I have a theory. Thinking about Frodo's arc, we leave him in this book at the end of this momentous decision of him going to Mordor alone. And Mm -hmm. I feel like sort of up until that point, or at least up until Moria, it almost felt like he was more going along with the group and that he was pretty content to let Gandalf and Aragorn and other people lead, make decisions, and he's just going to, you know, be the human carrier of this burden. The vessel. The vessel, yeah. Like, thinking about mm-hmm. how outside of Moria, and they're like, the ring bearer shall decide. And he's like, well, I don't know. Let's sleep on it. Right. But I think with Gandalf's death, there was that loss loss of safety and maybe a loss of complacency with him dying. Mm-hmm. And then the second impetus to this is Boromir trying to take the ring. Mm-hmm. And I think if those two things hadn't happened he would not have had the will to leave the company and go off alone. Like, if Gandalf had lived and then Boromir tried to take the ring, I think Frodo would have gone to Gandalf and been like, this has just happened. I don't know what to do. What do you think? But Mm -hmm. those two things 
combined and sort of that loss of trust and familiarity within the people that he has been traveling with and within his community has pushed Mm -hmm. him to make this crazy decision and go off alone with Sam. I agree. I think it's the loss of, like you said, that that guidance, that pseudo-parental figure, and then the environment itself becomes too unsafe to remain. So the security he would otherwise feel in the group is threatened by Boromir's continued presence. Mm -hmm. And so I think that those two things really do push him to make this decision much more so than had either or neither happened. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for, for that question. I feel like we got to dive in a little bit on Frodo, who we struggle with, but we love. So the question that I brought is, what relationship in the company, so of the nine, do you think is the weakest? Why? And then what would you do to try to strengthen that relationship? Okay, two come to mind. Mm-hmm. The one that comes to mind first is Pippin and Legolas. Mm. And I think that because I see almost no interaction with them. Right. I think then to strengthen that relationship, we'd have to put them in spaces together more frequently. And it's possible that that's kind of happening outside of what's being described in the chapters. But both Pippin and Mary play such a peripheral role through this second book in the fellowship mm-hmm. that it's hard to kind of imagine what what their interaction with these other folks look like not from the shire when it seems like they're really there for frodo mm-hmm. and so we don't really see them interact much with folks outside of frodo and maybe a skosh of gandalf and then ultimately aragorn right yeah i like that i hadn't even thought of them as a as a candidate for our fake bonding exercise here. <laughs> well, and I think I think it would be interesting to even characterize that as a relationship because we know so little about what their interactions right. are. As far as then, like, people that we know interact and that have some sort of relationship at the end of book two, I would say it's Aragorn and Boromir. I think that there's a real loss of trust and a real sacrifice that's made when Boromir comes back without Frodo Mm -hmm. that I think ultimately undermines any kind of relationship that they could have had and so that also came to mind as a pretty weak relationship that was my answer I I had thought oh I'm sorry (laughs) no no I'm glad that we're in in agreement on that because I agree I think that Aragorn and Boromir have the worst relationship. Mm-hmm. And not only from how it ends there, but how they are set to be so competitive against each other. Mm-hmm. Boromir is used to being the leader, but he comes into this group as it's being formed. And Aragorn already has the trust and the leadership. You know, he has prior relationships with the hobbits, with Legolas, with Gandalf. And Boromir is sort of coming in here in second place with less authority. Mm-hmm. It made me think of like a substitute teacher coming in. <laughs> Boromir. Trying to quickly yeah. gather the he's like, respect of the group. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I do that too. I would. I mean, I, I would do it this way. Let's do it this way. And they're like, well, actually, our teacher said we're going to do it this way. So but I felt right. like that's kind of the vibe. 
Yeah, and there's definitely a um, disparate evolution of both characters over the book, right? Like, we see Aragorn step into more of a leadership role. He becomes more royal. And we really end at kind of a pinnacle for this character Mm -hmm. as far as returning to his birthright and and home, at least in, in, in that birthright. And so he's really kind of leveled up as far as his authority, his respect, his kingliness. With Boromir, we see a devolution of his character. As the ring starts to eat away at his heart and at his character, he seems to become much more self-motivated, a little less invested in that larger picture. And so really kind of serves as almost an evil twin to where Aragorn is evolving to, he's really devolving from. Yeah. And I think you kind of hinted at it there, but their their main conflict is Aragorn's existence. Mm-hmm. He is threatening Boromir's birthright and his existence and his returning to Gondor with Boromir means that Boromir is not going to become the next steward and he has to come to terms with that. So my plan for them to mend this relationship, mm-hmm. I think Boromir needs to come to peace with his loss of absolute leadership and i think aragorn needs to start to accept boromir's own skills and his own knowledge publicly Mm -hmm. so like saying in front of the group like yes boromir that was a good idea Mm -hmm. and sort of like lifting him up a little bit and i think i know that they've just been on an extended one i think i would recommend a camping trip for the two of them (laughs) they are outdoorsmen they could do some one-on-one bonding, do like a little like a little strategy session for what's next for Gondor. Like I'm sure Boromir has a ton of stuff that he wanted to do when he became the steward. He could talk to Aragorn about that and sort of help him ascend to his power. Mm-hmm. If I were in charge of strengthening their relationship, that would be my recommendation for them. Well, and I think you you point out something really important, which is that the characterization of leadership, at least in Boromir's mind, is strictly positional. So he is the authority because he was born to it. And what we see in Aragorn's leadership is that it's much more relational. He is the leader that people are willing to follow. He is in community with the sort of appointed leader originally. And through that, he gains trust, respect, and, and some buy-in from the remainder of the group. Mm-hmm. And I think there really has to be a reckoning with what it means to be a leader. You know, as Jesse reminded us in, in that episode, that a lot of leadership or what is characterized as leadership is strictly positional. But positional leadership without the relational pieces is pretty doomed from the start. I would agree with that. I think it's good to categorize Aragorn as valuing his relationships. Mm-hmm. We can go back and remember how he won over all the hobbits back in the end of the Prancing Pony. And he didn't do it. I mean, eventually he did say like, and yes, I am friends with Gandalf. And they had that letter from Gandalf. But Frodo says that he trusts him. It's just too much for Boromir to step into and try to overcome and assert himself in really any sort of major leadership way. That was my discussion question. We talk so frequently about the strongest relationship in the company, which is obviously Frodo and Sam. I wanted to see who we who we thought could use a little 
little TLC. Mm -hmm. I think this was a really great discussion. Thank you so much for helping us see that relationships that aren't strong can become strong through a little tender care. Mm -hmm. And for people who are not me, possibly a camping trip. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't have recommended that one for for you if you needed to bond with somebody. Yeah, zero zero camping (laughs) will get me to a stronger relationship (laughs) with someone. Okay, so we also had talked about bringing a quote, a la our our first wrap-up episode, about what kind of encompasses an aspirational community goal. Uh, Did you have a quote that you brought for our chat today? Yes. So the quote that I found is on page 436, Mm -hmm. which is in Chapter 9, The Great River. And this is a quote from Legolas. And he says, time does not tarry ever. The reason that I pulled that quote out is I just, I feel like aspirationally in like a growth moment, I could do more now. I want to be cultivating relationships, bringing people together, hanging out, inviting folks over now because time does not tarry. Like there is only right now. And that's why that quote stuck out to me. And I feel like it's something that I can I can definitely work on and not always plan, oh, I'm busy this weekend, maybe next weekend, is seizing the moment, time does not tarry, and really focused now on building the relationships that I have, not as like an investment, which sounds sort of cold, but putting mm-hmm. in the work now before it's too late. The the other part of that quote, right? You said it was on 436. Yeah, it, the other part is a part that you brought um, when we did that chapter about the growth. Right. Um, and I think that really, for me, helps characterize what you're saying, you know, but change and growth is not in all things and places alike. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a reminder to put in the work and recognize that change and growth look very different depending on your context. And so the sooner we reckon with how to build relationships with individuals, the more we are observant and are able to nuance our experience with others, the stronger those relationships can be. Mm-hmm. What quote did you bring for your aspirational community goals? Well, I'm double dipping a bit, I'll say, because I definitely brought this quote up previously. I just like it so much and it felt so timely. I think it also helps us understand how we need to move forward. Mm -hmm. So the quote is on my page 391. We hear it from Haldir that the world is indeed full of evil and in it there are many dark places, but still here is much that is fair. And though in all lands, love is now mingled with grief it grows perhaps the greater. And I think pairing quite nicely with what you just brought to the table, when we build from a loving base and we recognize the complexities of grief, I think we're able to build much stronger, much more resilient community relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that idea of bringing resiliency into thinking about your relationships and finding the ways to build that in so that they can they can weather more difficult moments. Yes, I'm living in a space right now where sustainability is a really big community tenant. 
And often when we talk about sustainability, I see it pretty one-dimensionally in reference to environmental efforts. And those are absolutely critical. Don't get me wrong about that. But I think sustainability also looks like responsive partnership. I think it also looks like building relationships that you can be accountable in and that you can be responsible to in ways that are sometimes slower than we're called to move or sometimes take more thought than than we're ready for. But I think when we can do those things, when we can build sustainable and resilient relationships, those are much richer experiences for all of us. Did you bring any quotes for talking with Tolkien today? I didn't. Did you? I have one, and it was sort of like my runner-up for this quote, Mm -hmm. but it actually has nothing to do with community, (laughs) so I couldn't, I couldn't slide it in. Okay, well, let's see, let's see if we can tie it back to community. I'm interested. The, the quote that I brought that I liked for today's Talking with Tolkien is from Aragorn at the beginning of chapter six, Lothlorien, on page 375. He says, my heart will be glad even in the winter. And that's, it's taken out of context. It's him talking to Legolas about how Legolas, you know, wants to leaf peep and be in <laughs> Lothlorien at peak foliage time and how his heart will be glad if he were here in the spring. And Aragorn's like, my heart's going to be glad even in winter. Mm-hmm. It's cold here. And uh, it just stuck out to me this time around as I was sort of flipping through and looking for a good quote to bring up because... I like that even in the not most ideal time, he's still saying, I'm still going to be glad. Even if it's not 100% perfect in what we would have wished for, I will still be glad. It's funny that you say that clearly winter is taking a toll on everyone Mm -hmm. because the other quote that I really liked is when Frodo talks about whenever he thinks about going south, he thinks about things just becoming warmer and merrier. Yes. It still resonates with me because it's... It's pretty freaking cold. cold. But, you know, when we think about that in terms of community, that is a pretty unique challenge. I remember our dad saying when we were growing up that the the tough part about winter is you don't see your neighbors. Mm. And so as the weather warms, you start to see more people outside. People want to stay outside and chat. So I guess one of the things maybe our listeners could help us think about is how do we build community when from our bodies the environment may be calling like rest hibernation maybe a skosh of isolation and that the outdoors may not look like a viable place to hold space together with our with our neighbors and our friends that's a big question i went on a group hike this winter when the wind chill was certainly in the single digits and our groups paused for a lunch break was more like a like a 10 minute squat snack Mm -hmm. we did not sit and have a nice jolly chat and meet and mingle it was more like okay put your food in your mouth and (laughs) keep moving before the frostbite sets in so right it's tricky to find those moments of community when it's so unhospitable outside and i will also say i recently started a new job And in the first week from me was solicited a fun, festive fact. And one of the memories that came to mind was in the height of the pandemic, 
when we met halfway between where oh, I am yes. now and where our dad lives with you and my partner. And we did an outdoor gift exchange in like 16 degree weather mm-hmm. with hot chocolate and a lot of layers Um, And it was a time where we were creatively finding a way to get together to keep us all safe, but still have some of the hallmarks of that that time of year where there's a lot more a lot more time together. And so that really stuck out to me as a memory. And I'm thinking about, you know, how could we replicate some of those experiences to not just totally lose, you know, where I live, like five, six months sometimes out of the year. Yeah, it's a big question, and I would love to hear how other people in similarly cold climates manage and find ways to interact with people when mm-hmm. it's uh, when you don't want to go anywhere. And for those who don't live in cold climates, don't uh, squash your creativity. If you have other inhospitable seasons that keep you from getting together, right. let us know what you do in those times, too. Maybe we can scale it depending on the... Uh, what your creative solutions are. Yeah, absolutely. Today's podcast was brought to you by Wistful Lothlorien Vacations. Come as your corporeal self or as your spirit self. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in Fellowship. You want to kick oh us off? Oh my god, I'm starting. <laughs> yeah. You brought a lot of energy in to not realize that you were starting. <laughs> I have the thing open too, and I'm looking at it, and I was like, I wonder if she's gonna start us off. Blue is you, baby. Blue is me. Okay. Yeah, well, um, let me just come back to that one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Excellent.